Welcome to the Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. We're continuing on in our series, Real Truth About Real Stuff. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at Christian music. Like we did with our Christmas sing-along episode, Rose and I are going to talk about some of our favorite songs, some old ones and some new, their origins and the meaning behind the words. And we're not going to sing. No. We just want to tell you ahead of time we're so not going to sing. you don't have to turn us off. Yeah, don't turn <laughs> us off yet. But first, we want to talk about the importance of taking note about what it is that we're singing. That's a great point, Chris. You know, there's some Christian songs that I love the tune to. The music is great and it just puts you in a great mood. And some of the lyrics are pretty good. Yeah, the key words are some and pretty good. We can't compromise God's truth because of a great tune. We can't play an actual song because of the copyright law, but we can talk about the songs. One song is called What a Beautiful Name. The music draws you in almost immediately, and many of the lyrics are good. For instance, you have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. And, and there are others that are good. But one line discounts the whole song, and that is, you didn't want heaven without us. Now, that may seem pretty harmless, Chris, especially when the rest of the song is good. But we shouldn't be willing to have our mouths say or our ears hear something that's a lie about God. Heaven is perfect. And the Trinity has had the perfect relationship for all eternity. God chose to save us because it pleased him to do so. He didn't need us, and heaven certainly doesn't need us to make it perfect. It certainly doesn't. And we want this to be a fun episode, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But just pay attention to what you're singing. Just because it's being sung on Christian radio or in church doesn't mean that it's theologically sound. To be willing to compromise on the lyrics because you like a song is like going to a church because you love the preaching style and personality of the pastor and you aren't concerned about what they're actually teaching. I'll give that an amen. So let's have some fun now. Chris, you and I both love music and we both have our favorite songs, some of them the same. Right. And I think we're both pretty eclectic when it comes to music. So our favorite Christian songs consist of both old hymns all the way up to some pretty new contemporary stuff. That's right. And I'll get us started with one of my favorite hymns. And that is Before the Throne of God Above. And I know you love this one too. I do. It was written by Irish native Charity Lees Smith in 1863. After her divorce in 1915, Charity published a book of hymns and included this one, which she called Within the Veil. The hymn was introduced into the United States under the title of Praises of Jesus in 1865 by William Bradbury. The hymn was published the following year in Our Own Hymn Book, which is a collection of hymns compiled by Charles Spurgeon with editorial assistance by Daniel Sedgwick. It was titled at the time, Jesus Pleads for Me. The words are... Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hand, my name is written on his heart. I know that whilst in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. The scripture behind the song is reflected strongly in Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16, which says, Since then we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's hard to say the words without singing them, isn't it? It is really hard to say them and not sing them. But, Maybe I should sing. Uh, well, no. you can sing. No, no, but I know can. our listeners will appreciate me not singing. No, that's not really true. Another key scripture in the song is Romans 8.34. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Chris, I love that song so much. And that would have been one of my favorites if you had not picked it. My turn. And since you went old school, I will too. And this is another one that we both picked. I love so many of the old hymns, but I have a couple favorites. And one of them is, Be Thou My Vision. I love it. The words, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save but thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. I love that. I love that too. I love that whole song, but I really love the last verse. It says, High King of Heaven, thy victory won. May I reach heaven's joy, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befalls, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Most of the words to be thou my vision are from the old Irish poem dated back to the 6th century by Dalian Forgale. It was written as a prayer of protection. The original poem talked about the symbolic use of a battle shield and a sword to invoke the power and protection of God. It was a reference to the armor of God that Paul lists in Ephesians 6, 16 and 17. The shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. This kind of military symbolism was common in the poetry and hymnology of Christian monasteries of the 6th and 7th centuries due to the prevalence of clan warfare across Ireland. And the first line of the last verse that I read, calling God High King of Heaven, was a depiction of God as chieftain or high king. This was also a traditional theme in Irish literature. They used heroic imagery like this to portray God as a clan protector. In 1912, Eleanor Hull translated into English and made some minor variations. She entitled it With My Love on the Road. In 1919, the title was changed to Be Thou My Vision when it was put into the Christian hymnal. It's sung to the tune of an Irish song called Slain, and I don't know that song. I don't either. That's the tune. And even today, it's one of the most popular songs and popular hymns in the United Kingdom. Okay, my turn again. I'll do a more recent one. This is Amazing Grace by Phil Wickham. The first verse and chorus say, Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Love that. It took Phil Wickham a long time to write this song. He actually wrote it with a friend who was a member of the band Paramore, if any of you know that band. Eventually, over several years, lyrics to the verses were changed. Here's what Phil Wickham says about why he wrote the song. 
The song is simply about the amazing grace and unfailing love that this God, this King of glory, this King above all kings has shown to us. The verses are about his majesty and what he's done, how he spoke the world into existence and how he brings order to our chaos, how he's made orphans and sinners his sons and daughters by taking our place on the cross. He bore our sin and went to the grave so that we may be set free, so that we may be forgiven. It's the story that God has written and a story that he's let us be part of. And that truth is definitely reflected in the lyrics. The last verses say, Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The king of glory, the king of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the king of glory, the king above all kings. You know, that song makes me think of the verses like Isaiah 53, 5, which says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. And also, I think of 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Okay, I'll do a current one too. The Eye of the Storm by Ryan Stevenson. The words are, When the solid ground is falling out underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Yeah, I love that. That song's main message is to cling to God in the midst of the storms of life. According to Ryan Stevenson, the backstory is that I spent eight years as a paramedic before I was ever signed to a record label. I dip into that experience a lot, especially in seeing people in the midst of tragedy because I lived it for eight years on the streets. For this song, I felt like we had to have a song on the album where we talked about that stuff and pointed people to our only hope, which is Jesus Christ. In the midst of truly terrible circumstances that I've witnessed over and over. He then goes on to say, personally for me, I lost my mom at a young age and my wife and I had a miscarriage of our twins a few years ago. A lot of this song is about my heart going through the ringer. One of the things I've seen as a paramedic is that we all have true, real struggles, ugly parts of our lives that we're dealing with and failures and defeats. In the middle of that, when we feel our sails are ripped out in the battles and wars we're going through, we can feel like we float out to sea where the Lord isn't paying attention to us and he's overlooked us. I want this song to say no to that. His promise to us is that he's the anchor of our being and he is our only hope. This song is based on several scripture verses. One, of course, is the 23rd Psalm, which he quotes at the end of the song. Another one is Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. And also Matthew 11:28, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, moving on, I'll go back to an oldie. All right. 
Uh, I love this song and I love the tune to it. It's called All Creatures of Our God and King. And it's based on a poem written by St. Francis of Assisi in 1225. That means the theme of this song is almost 800 years old. But it's just as relevant today as it was then. And the version that we know was arranged as an English Christian Easter hymn by William Henry Draper. It was first published in the hymn book in 1919. This song is based on Psalm 148. I'll read a few verses of that psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. For he commanded and they were created. It's a beautiful psalm that just goes on praising God for his creation. Like Psalm 148, the song keeps repeating the phrase, Oh, praise him. The first verse says, All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Love that. Okay, so I guess I'll go old school. Gosh, there's so many, but I can't deny that every time I hear How Great Thou Art, it brings me to tears. I don't think there's a better song celebrating the greatness and majesty of God, and the words just humble me. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. I love that. And there are some fabulous versions of it sung by some amazing voices. How Great Thou Art is based on a poem written by Carl Boberg in Sweden in 1885. It was translated into German and then into Russian. It was voted the United Kingdom's favorite hymn by BBC's Songs of Praise. Boy, you and the British seem to have the same taste in hymns. Who knew? But I'm not alone. AmericanSongwriter.com says, If you've only heard two hymns in your life, chances are, one, you've heard How Great Thou Art. In terms of popularity, it's generally considered second only to Amazing Grace. That's probably very true, yeah. Probably. Yep. Both have been sung by everyone from Elvis to Carrie Underwood. Hmm. End quote. Chris, the story goes that Carl Boberg wrote the poem in 1885 after he was walking home in a bayside town in Sweden's southeastern coast. A thunderhead appeared on the horizon and lightning flash. Thunderclaps shook the air, sending Boberg running for shelter. When the storm began to relent, he rushed home. He opened his windows to let the fresh air in and a vision of tranquility greeted him. It stirred him deeply in his soul. The sky had cleared, birds sang, and in the distance, he heard church bells ringing. The juxtaposition between the roaring thunderstorm and such serenity served as the background for him writing what was originally called, O Store Good. And of course, this poem, O Store Good, after a series of events came to be known as How Great Thou Art. It was translated into English and retitled by Stuart Hine in 1949. But as of 1954, How Great Thou Art remained pretty unknown in the U.S. But with Mana Music's backing the song, it eventually landed in the hands of George Beverly Shea, famed soloist in Billy Graham's Crusade. Graham reportedly loved the song and quickly made it his Evangelical Crusade's signature song. 
Shea was the one who introduced the song to the nation. He sang it live on radio before stadiums filled with thousands of people and during nationally televised events like in 1957 Madison Square Garden's Crusade, which ran for 16 weeks and was viewed by an estimated 96 million people. Which I guess is why it's so familiar. Yep. Chris, I think we should do one more, one that everyone can use to hear right now, and that's Great Is Thy Faithfulness. The song is based on Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, which says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Yeah, those are the exact words to the chorus of another well-known hymn, The Steadfast Love of the Lord, which was also written by the same guy. But that's not the song we're talking about. Great is Thy Faithfulness was a poem written by Thomas Obadiah Chisholm in 1923. Chisholm was born in a log cabin in Kentucky. After graduating from a little country schoolhouse, he taught there for a while. He became a Christian at 27. With no seminary or formal training, he became a Methodist minister at age 36. Because of bad health, though, he only lasted a year. He moved to Vineland, New Jersey, where he opened an insurance office. Chisholm suffered ill health most of his life. After he wrote Great Is Thy Faithfulness, he sent it to his friend William Runyon, saying, God has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. Runyon set the music to the poem. He was a friend of the president of Moody Bible Institute, Dr. Will Houghton. Runyon sent him the song, and it soon became one of his favorites. He invited George Beverly Shea, who was an unknown singer at the time, to listen to it, and Shea made it a part of his repertoire. Like How Great Thou Art, Shea's performing it definitely helped popularize the song. Yep, Chris, the words just resonate with me. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Yeah, those give me goosebumps. And the chorus, which contains so much beautiful truth, says, Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The whole song is a promise that God gives us what we need when we need it. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late. I can't tell you how many times I remind myself a line from the second verse, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. We don't need to look into the future with despair. We only need to look at today and God will give us the strength to get through today. And tomorrow, well, there's hope for tomorrow. Not a dismal hope, but a bright hope. Yeah, and that comes right out of Psalm 46. Verses one to seven say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Love that. That's a good place to end our episode. We hope we've put a song or two in your heart today and that you can draw on them when you need them. There's a lot of great, solid Christian music out there from all different genres. 
It doesn't matter if you like traditional hymns, contemporary music, rap, or even folk music, which I admit I don't quite understand. Yeah, you are not a folk music person. I feel like that was a shot against Indelible Grace, who you know I love. Maybe, maybe not. I do sometimes question your taste, Rose. But the point is, to listen to whatever kind of Christian music you enjoy the most, but just make sure that the lyrics are theologically sound. They don't have to directly quote scripture, just make sure they don't contradict scripture, which so many do. Mm -hmm. And remember that worship songs should be songs that are centered around God and His greatness, not us and our victories. It's not about us. Exactly. And while you should certainly enjoy the genre you prefer, we challenge you to step out and listen to something different. If you're a hardcore contemporary music person, give some of the old hymns a try. You may find the words penetrate you to your very soul. But remember, just as there are bad contemporary Christian songs, there's bad hymns. There are, yeah. So pay attention to the lyrics. And if you only listen to traditional hymns, give some contemporary songs a try. Are you going to take to the challenge and start listening to Indelible Grace more? I walked right into that, didn't I? You sure did. I'll send you some suggestions. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening, everybody. And have some fun with this today. And have a blessed day.